St. Mark's in Little Rock already had a vibrant food pantry before the pandemic, but when hundreds of people were laid off due to a massive economic slowdown caused by the virus, a big shift occurred at the pantry. Cars began to line up out on Mississippi Avenue for groceries, but the parking lot was already full. Where would they go? And how could they ever come inside safely to order their groceries and pick them up with the contagion at large? Something was gonna have to give. In today's gospel, Jesus has already been out there ministering for some time, proclaiming the good news of the reign of God, as we heard, casting out evil, confronting evil, curing disease and sickness wherever he went. But when he sees the big crowds today, a shift seems to have occurred within Jesus. Maybe it's he's beginning to think about going to Jerusalem for the last time, or perhaps he knows with all these crowds, there's no way he can keep doing this ministry by himself. Or maybe it's been part of his plan all along to involve the disciples more. But whatever the reason, when Jesus sees the crowd harassed, helpless, like sheep without a shepherd, Jesus, it says, has compassion on them. Compassion is a great word in the Bible. Marcus Borg notes that in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for compassion has the same root as the Hebrew word for womb, rahamin. It's as though God's compassion is womb-like. God, through creation, gives birth to us. And as a mother loves and cares for, her, for the children of her womb, so God cares and loves us, God's own children. But perhaps the best example of God's compassion, at least before Jesus, is in the amazing story of the Exodus and the call of Moses. Because you remember when Moses turns aside to look at the burning bush, it's as though God's word begins to burn in Moses' heart. It's as though Moses could hear God speaking to his soul about the slavery of the Hebrew people. God said, quote, I have seen the misery of my people. I have heard their cry. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them. But I think what really startled Moses about encountering God was what God said next, because he said, Now Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh. You go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. I can only imagine Moses' reaction. It's sort of like, uh, well, Sarah or one of the clergy asking you guys, we want you to do this. We think you can do this ministry. And you think, wait a minute now. I didn't sign on to this. I like to come here on Sunday mornings for some peace and inspiration. I didn't sign on to get into the middle of some kind of trouble that Jesus is stirring up. <laughs> but back in the gospel, Jesus is about to make the same move with his disciples when he has compassion on the crowds because the plan is no longer going to be to do the ministry himself. The disciples are about to carry out Jesus' mission. But I want you to note a curious thing about this little section of Matthew's gospel that I think is worth paying attention to. I believe Matthew is trying to teach us something through his story of Jesus. Matthew has referred to the 12 
and the other disciples following him, like the women, he refers to all of them as disciples up to now, meaning essentially they are learners or pupils or followers of Jesus. But this time, Matthew, for the first and last time, uses a different word to describe them, the word apostles. It's the only time in Matthew's gospel that he's going to use this word. The Greek apostolos means one who is sent. All this time the disciples have been learning about God and about Jesus and about the kingdom. And the disciples are never going to stop learning about God just as you and I are called to be lifelong learners about the faith. Thanks be to God, we've had Samantha Clare for what, seven years here now, helping the people of St. Paul's answer their calling of being lifelong learners. We never stop that. But today, a shift is occurring. And besides learning the apostles, Jesus is about to send them out to do the work that he's been doing. It's not enough just to learn. They've got to now put it into action. Contemplation is one thing, but action is where the rubber meets the road. Jesus is going to actually trust them to do the ministry. He's not going to do it. He's going to trust them to do it. And through that trust, the disciples are about to become apostles. When I was about 13 or 14, I guess, my father had a uh, workshop built out behind our house. His father was a, a millwright for the Chicago Mill and Lumber Company there in West Helena. And I think my dad always wanted to work with his hands because of that, but he ended up becoming a lawyer. So his day job required that he mainly use his mind. But in the workshop, he got to use his hands. And not only that, he got to have us pester him a little bit because my brother and I would follow him out to the workshop. I'm kidding about that, of course, because my father, I think that was one of the things he loved. Maybe it's good that this is, the story came to my mind on Father's Day. I don't know. But anyway, my little brother and I loved to be out there with him in the workshop. He would sometimes have us uh, learn to practice driving nails. He'd get a two-before out, hand us nails and a hammer, and say, all right, boys, I want you all to just practice. He'd get them started. He'd get them started straight, and it was up to us to drive them the rest of the way in. Sometimes we would even have nail driving contest, a tradition he continued with the grandchildren. He taught us how to use all kinds of hand tools, taught us how to operate the scroll saw or the big jigsaw, if you will, taught us how to operate an electric drill. And I was really kind of surprised he let us, he showed us how to operate the table saw. You know, he, he said, now you gotta be careful with this one. You can lose, you can lose a finger or something. So he showed us how to use a, a stick, if you will, to push the wood through the saw. And actually, it wasn't too long before he let us go out there without him into the workshop. I'm sorry I took that for granted at the time, because I can see his giving permission to us to go out into the shop. In that, our father was putting a lot of trust in us. He trusted us to use our creativity, if you will. Trusted us to have some fun out there, safely, of course, and trusted us simply to enjoy the workshop. Looking back, I can see it was a powerful thing 
that it had in us for him to trust us and a great lesson for us to become trustworthy. Even more powerfully in this gospel today, as Jesus sends out the apostles, Jesus is going to trust them to do the very work that he's been doing to proclaim the good news of God's kingdom in word and deed wherever they go. And besides sending them out as apostles, besides trusting them, what I notice he's yet going to do at least one more thing for the apostles. He's going to give them his authority. The Greek word for authority, exousius, means from usia, from being, from Jesus' own substance. He's giving them the authority, the right, and get this, the power to do the ministry, to carry out the mission. And as a way of giving him that power, he's not going to send them out one by one. It's a lesson for all of us that most of the time, ministry is not a solo act. Ministry is supposed to be done together, two by two, teams, to be done as whole churches so that we can support one another, draw inspiration from one another. I think sometimes when God gathers us, there's something like electricity that happens between us as we inspire one another. That's how Jesus is going to give them, if you will, the power to do the ministry. Notice that he names them two by two. And when it comes to sending them, he sends not even two. He sends the twelve out to do ministries, just as he sends whole churches out. And in the not-too-distant future, after Pentecost, he's going to send someone else with them to do the ministry. Anybody know who, who was sent? What person did God send with them to do the ministry after Pentecost? I can't hear you. The Spirit. Paul, too. Paul certainly got involved, stirred things up. But he sent the third person of the Trinity to empower them to do the ministry, just like he does with the church. It's like Matthew's sort of giving us a, a preview of coming attractions, a movie trailer, if you will, of what the church is going to become. I have to tell you one of the things I've loved about serving in other churches, and I was after I retired, I was off for a little over a year, and i tell you the truth, I was, was kind of lost. I thought, you know, some of you have retired, and maybe you hadn't quite figured out what the next chapter of your life's going to be. And I was no exception to that. But they called and said, how about going down to St. Luke's and Hot Springs for a while? I thought, well, okay. I need something to do. And I got down there, and it was like something inside me was coming to life again. I realized just because I'm retired, God's not through with me. God's still got things for me to do. Just like God's got things for all of us to do whatever our age or station in life. And then when Evan called me a few months ago and said, I'm going on sabbatical, one of our associates has moved, and I don't want Sarah, to, I want her to have some extra support for a while this summer. Can you come up there for a while? And I said, well, I've got a life, but I'll see if I can come part of the time. So, I'm, so I've really enjoyed being here with you guys this month. Uh, and I've noticed that whenever we gather here, there's somebody else here with us just like with the apostles long ago. The Spirit is here. 
We come here sometimes confused. We come here, at least I do anyway, sometimes low on energy. We come here hungry. But we come here knowing in faith that somebody else is always going to be here to enliven us, to renew us, to feed us, so that we can go out renewed in life and spirit once again. We come here knowing that we're going to experience the power of the gathered church, but we know also the power is not over on Sunday. It's really going to happen on Monday. It's going to happen to you in the next chapter of your life. It's going to happen to all of us as we go forward because Jesus doesn't just give us to be apostles, to be sent. doesn't just trust us he gives us the power, the amazing power. I wish the people out in the world knew more of the power of the Spirit because there's something here that doesn't exist anywhere else. Oh, don't get me wrong. I know grace is out in the world, but it seems like there's a special concentration or a special kind of grace that happens when we gather in the church. It's a gift to be a part of the church. Yes, church is sometimes be a pain in the you-know-what. And sometimes there's some conflict in the church. And sometimes it's messy to be in the church. And sometimes the church tests your patience. But I'll tell you, it's a gift that God has given all of us to be a part of the body of Christ so that He can renew us and give us the abundant life that Jesus Himself experienced because there's a world hungry for good news and you are the ones who've got it. Well, they say, uh, who did I say? Somebody was talking about what, uh, what's the most important gospel that a parent can give a child. It's their own life. It's the gospel of their life. I say to you, you are the most important gospel in the world. The gospel in flesh and bone the gospel filled with the Spirit, the gospel of a life that's burning alive with the Word of God. That's who you are. You have good news to proclaim. But what about those cars back on Mississippi Avenue? They needed good news too. And they needed something else to be hungry. They were hungry for groceries. They couldn't come inside and request their food. They couldn't fill out paperwork like they used to do. Something else remarkable happened that day, though, besides that line of cars out on the street, because Jesus was at the food pantry. I don't know why I'm surprised. I think it's just us sometimes. But Jesus was at the pantry, and he saw the crowd of cars out there, and so he didn't just send volunteers out. He sent apostles out because rather than wait inside for them to come in and sit down and fill out paperwork like they used to do, they went out like a fast food operation with a tablet, taking orders. And then some of the other apostles, uh, instead of uh, waiting for them to come get their groceries, they had to use their creativity to figure out new ways to package and put the groceries into the hands of the people. Nobody ever thought about a curbside food pantry, at least we hadn't, but we did that day because we used our creativity.
and because I think Jesus actually spoke to the apostles. And so what happened? Twice the people were fed that day at nearly twice the speed because Jesus is still sending apostles, still trusting us to carry out his mission and still giving them, still giving us the authority, the right, and the power to do it. Indeed, the reign of God still comes near. And through you, the people of St. Paul's, it comes right here. Amen.